Good morning, and if you're a regular listener of the Saturday Morning Podcast here on Thrive Subscribe, you'll recognize that we've changed the music a little bit, uh, and that represents a change in the direction for the CPESN portion of the podcast that Thrive Subscribe uh, collaboratively collaboratively works with. uh, And so instead of being a COVID-19 practice pearls going forward, this will be more of a general platform for CPESN to uh, uh, speak about what's going on both in the network and within pharmacy. So the change in the music represents really a change in direction. Uh, So without further ado, I'll uh, turn you over to uh, Joe and Ashley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Ashley and Joe podcast. Um, We're glad that you woke up on a Saturday morning to join us. Um, we've, we've got a really great guest uh, today that, that I think has got some really timely information for us and some things that, that he's doing that uh, around COVID testing and, and some opportunities and doors that that, have, that COVID has opened for him and his practice and, and, and how he's, uh, he's using that to to uh, make the best uh, of this time. So um, I'm joined today with uh, with uh, my co-host, Ashley Branham, and I'm Joe Moose. So, Ashley? Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for um, joining in another week to listen to the podcast. I, I um, agree with Joe. We've got a really great guest today um, to share with us um, some really, I think, good pearls for you to take home. I, I um, our guest today is Eric Larson, and Eric is the owner and um, president of Prescriptions Unlimited in St. Cloud, Florida. He also is um, a luminary with CPESN Florida, and, and I had the opportunity to hear um, Eric share his experience with COVID testing recently, and I felt like it was um, such an um, inspiring story. I wanted to make sure that um, other luminaries and community pharmacy owners across the nation had the chance to hear his experience and um, see how it may be a really good fit and, and perhaps even open doors um, for you and your communities moving forward. Absolutely. Welcome, Eric. Yeah, thank you for having me, Joe and Ash. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. So, Eric, you're just finishing up a, a, a busy um, a, a busy week of COVID testing. Is, is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, right now we are um, we're testing roughly um, 200 patients per day um, through multiple uh, yeah multiple contracts that we have. One is through HHS at the federal level, and then the other one is a local uh, county contract with the Department of Health in Florida. Wow, that's um, that's impressive. So, uh, just out of curiosity, what kind of manpower does it take to do 200 tests in a day? Yeah, and that's a great question, and that's the the biggest challenge that we have. Um, you know, to be honest. So, what what I've done is, you know, once we started this program, um, I you know I employ you know a lot of employees and ancillary staff and, and pharmacy staff. But what I've used is um, I've hired interns. Believe it or not. Um, to work with me during the summer because they're, you know, kind of off um, off schedule with school. And then um, I've been using my pharmacists and interns. Um, and then also I'm using our ancillary staff, like our delivery drivers, for example, and cashiers. Everyone's really been stepping up and out, you know, hitting um, hitting the line of cars that we're experiencing and, and getting patient you know, information, um, you know, answering the questionnaire, doing all that stuff um, up front. So the testing can be done smoothly. Um, you know, we're, we're 
you know, when I say we're testing 200 people a day, you know, we're not a we're not at a testing center. You know, we have our we're using our drive-through side parking lot um, with a, with a driveway. So, you know, in, in some instances, we have 50 to 60 cars in line in the mornings. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, that's incredible. I hope you're taking some good pictures of that. We would like to share that in, in some of the CPSN news uh, newsletters and all that, that come out uh, to you uh, to to the membership. That's that really is incredible. So I, I'm curious, as you know, you're a CPSN luminary, so you're obviously spending time with uh, with CPSN duties and and. Uh, trying to operate your business and, and everything. How do you find time to do all that? Yeah. So I, I, to be honest with you, I have to attribute that to a great staff, you know, uh, my pharmacists, um, my technicians, really everyone has, you know, really stepped up and we're, you know, we're in debt to the community um, you know, as we all are luminaries, pharmacy owners, you know, our community is the people that support us. They're the one that, you know, feed our family and help us, you know, basically all the time. So um, we acknowledge that and we embrace that and we have conversations about that every day about, you know, what we're doing to help everyone um, is, is basically us paying it, paying it forward and paying them back for all the things that they've done for us to make us successful. Um, so I, I, I would be a liar to tell you that it's not one of the more difficult things, if not the most difficult thing I've ever done, and that our, our business is you know, taking a back seat right now, at least new initiatives. But um, I will also say that the recognition, um, the positive feedback um, and the new business that's come from it actually been uh, surprisingly fast and, and, and really good for us. That's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I love hearing folks talk about their business culture and building that that right culture and you're obviously doing some fantastic stuff down in florida yeah i, I think it's anybody's dream to pull up and work and see 60 to 80 cars standing outside your business ready to to conduct some type of a business with you so so well done on that I, you know, I think we're all seeing the news of, of, of COVID um, waves that are hitting, particularly in Florida, Eric. And I know you mentioned you, you're starting to get in um, and exploring COVID testing, um, and now you're operating off of a couple of contracts. So these are paid opportunities for you as well. It's not just something that you're um, offering strictly as a as a service to a community. Although in some cases you may also be doing that. Can can you? kind of take a step back with us and, and share with our listeners how that all came to be. You know, how, how did you establish your first contract? How did you become kind of a hub for testing in your local community? Let, let me back up before that question too and say, did you have a CLIA waiver before this ever started? I've had a CLIA waiver from the beginning. Um, I've, yeah. I've always had a CLIA waiver because um, I've, I've always done point of care testing in some fashion, um, A1C, um, diabetes screening. So we've had a clear waiver even before we were doing vaccines. Wow. So that's the starting point, folks. So so like Ashley said, where, you, you know, you're standing in your pharmacy one day, how did the opportunity from get from the idea, hey, I ought to do testing to where 60 cars in line in the morning when you're unlocking your door? 
Sure. Um, so really, um, you know, go back to the beginning of June, um, you know, and that's kind of when, you know, I saw that our county was struggling with testing. Um, you know, we're not a, a large populated county, 400,000, but we're not small. So we don't hit that 800,000, which is that threshold in Florida to get a lot of support and funding from the state for testing. So, um, you know, I, I've always had good relationships with my legislators, uh, you know, federal and state. Um, and I, I talk to the state reps very often and, you know, they talk to the federal guys. I mean, these guys all know each other and they all have good relationships. It doesn't matter. This is a bipartisan issue. So, um, you know, I, I reached out and said, listen, you know, you guys need help. You know, pharmacists are allowed to test right now under the executive order. So, um, my state rep called, um, basically called, uh, Congressman Darren Soto's office and his chief of staff reached out to me and said, hey, Eric, would you be able to help our, our county department of health um, with testing? So, you know, really long story short is I said, you know, absolutely happy to. Um, I got hooked up with the director for the Department of Health locally in Osceola County. They came on, um, they onboarded us with their process. Um, and then we started really slow there with, a, you know, 10 to 15 tests per day. Um, and then at that point, the HHS contract landed as well, almost simultaneously. Um, and then, you know, with Florida being the hot spot that we are right now, things just kind of, you know, progressed really fast for us um, to the point where we had to scale back because at one day we had did 250 tests. We started at nine and it was 1130 and we had done 250 tests with 90 cars in line. And now I have a really good relationship with St. Cloud PD um because they came on site to help us with traffic control and then the eoc which is the emergency management um they came by so um really the county's been amazingly supportive um they now call me for all their ppe purchases because they've been told by the state to go private sector for purchasing so we've been procuring gowns masks everything for them um and i mean every day i get a call from them uh needing something uh, something, something different that we can get that I guess, you know, they can't find through the normal channels. Uh, and I'll finish with the school district um, who I've had a relationship with, and I actually provide all the vaccinations for the school district for all their employees. Um, this is a whole new avenue for them because reopening schools is a huge push and testing students, having vaccines ready to go. Um, they're already, you know, we're already prepping for that to happen. And it's going to be a huge opportunity for us. You know, I don't see this as a, a profitable venture for me right now um, in the testing realm, but the avenues and the doors and the opportunities it's opening already within, you know, six weeks has been, it's been amazing. Yeah. It all sounds amazing. What type of test are you using? So we're doing um, an oral swab. Um, that's through the department of health. And then the HHS is a nasal swab. So we have two tests. Depends on the um, depends on what we have in stock at that day. We're we're capped out, you know, basically on on each test because the lab has a certain capacity. Right, and you're collecting that, sending it to the lab. No, and then so, do you... sorry to cut you off, Joe. So yeah, our process is simple. We we collect um, we collect and we actually. I have one of my drivers, our delivery drivers, uh, take it to the Department of Health every day. 
Um, and then they replenish our supplies, give us PPE, whatever we need. Um, and that, that process happens every day. So, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, we use our ancillary staff, you know, and our infrastructure, um, actually it, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of eerie how poised and how prepared independent pharmacies are for something like this, because everything that we do, our staff is already prepared to do, you know, despite the testing, you know, we deliver, we, we have, you know, we, we take care of the cold chain during deliveries. So it's actually a beautiful fit for us. And we're actually out testing the department of health on our own. Wow. That's awesome. You're likely more convenient. Um, so Eric, you mentioned, you alluded to, I guess, a couple of lessons learned as you're starting and, and getting fully, um, you know, implemented with a COVID um, testing service. Um, what kind of advice would you have for somebody that's um, looking to start this in their pharmacy? I mean, I know you said it seems like there may be some reasons to notify maybe the, the local police department um, for traffic control. You know, what what are the surprises or what are, you know, maybe some things that someone might want to think about before they, they open up, um, you know, the full swing of, of COVID testing? The, the, the first thing is make sure you can accommodate, you know, under promise, over deliver, right? We talk about that all the time. That's a cliche. You really want to do that because you don't want to put yourself out there to do something and put yourself on the line and promise you can do it and then find out that it's just too much for you. You know, if you don't have the staff, you know, don't put yourself out there and say, I can do 100 tests per day. Say, hey, you know, maybe I can do 10. You know, being that avenue and that outlet for them, it's not all about the quantity. It's about being there and being a partner with them, right? So they talk about our community partners. That's the coin term, you know, when we're on calls with the Department of Health, the, the community partners are doing this. They're not talking about, oh, the community partners are doing five tests a day. They're saying they're out there helping us out in whatever capacity they can. Um, don't expect to make money initially, you know, um, especially because you have to prove concept. You know, this is all new for them. You know, again, we, we're pharmacists are constantly proving ourselves, right? That's another piece to this. But this is an opportunity like nothing else. We can create our own niche here by saying independent pharmacy owners, we can do things that chains can't do because there's no way they could do this at this capacity. They have no interest in this because they don't want to pay for the staff and the overhead. And they don't want, they're not equipped to do it. So we actually are a perfect fit as a community partner for the Department of Health, for the county, for the school districts, for the community health system that they have with hospitals and other, and other groups. Um, and this is just one way we prove it. Um, I, everything I do, I, I don't know if it's smart or not, but I never worry about the money. I figure that always works itself out in the long run. You know, I'm not in control of that. And to be honest, to be able to give back to the community is more rewarding than anything. It'll pay off in the long run, not necessarily financially, you know, but it, it will overall. Um, creating an image and an, uh, a vibe with your business is something that you can't just create overnight. And this COVID thing, you know, this whole pandemic is allowing us to do that by just sacrificing our time and our energy and refocusing it on helping everyone else out. We have to also remember everyone's stepping up during this time. 
right? Everyone's under, you know, high anxiety. It, it's very, it's very touch and go every day. No different for us. Um, but if we show that we're out there going the extra mile, then um, I, I really, and it's also very rewarding personally, um, to be honest. So I guess really, uh, if I could say to do anything, if I can give any advice, I would say reach out and just ask what, what, what you can do for them. You know, call your department of health or call your state rep and say, hey, can you con- get me in contact with the department of health or, or whoever is controlling it in your area, your municipalities and say, how can I help? Um, it may be testing. It may be PPE. It may be, I, I don't know. Maybe you're, they want you just to help run samples or something. Who knows? Um, but just find out where their pain points are. I think that's fantastic advice. I know you, you've just painted a really strong picture of why you need to jump in head first as a community pharmacy and get involved in COVID testing. I, I know um, I've, I mean, I've heard a, a number of folks that um, they articulate reasons why not to get into it. And, and you've certainly just painted a picture of every reason why it would make a lot of sense to um, invest in that, invest in your community and, um, and see if nothing else you get out of it. It's, it sounds like there's a brand presence that you're making on behalf of your business, but also perhaps future opportunities that may come um, just by the recognition of, of being a um, kind of a beacon in, in your community. So thanks so much for those tips. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Yes, agreed. So, Eric, um, I know working with you through um, through the Florida Network um, that you also have kind of a strong presence within um, kind of the, the legislative activities that's happening um, throughout the state that impact pharmacy and community pharmacy specifically. And um, and you, you also alluded to um, kind of some discussion and, and opportunities about, you know, call your legislators, see if there's opportunities for you to get involved. I, I want to just take a minute, um, not necessarily to switch gears, but maybe just to reflect on that relationship that you built over time, um, working with um, your state representatives um, and the folks that represent um, the Florida legislation, and and just kind of explore, you know, how that relationship came to be, and um, any advice that you would have um, for community pharmacy owners um, to to not be afraid to step into the legislative arena and represent community pharmacy um, in a way similar to to what you have done, and, and many of your colleagues um, that are practicing in, in Florida. Yeah, I mean, legislatively, it's kind of it's it's kind of funny how this all works out because I don't think there's really a legislation and business to me go together. And, and most people say, well, without PBM reform, we can't do better in business. Or without if you um, if you make it about yourself and your business, you're never going to get anything done legislatively, right? Because legislators are not there to work just for pharmacists and pharmacy owners. Hate to bring it to everyone. We'd love for them to do that, but they actually have to care about a lot of different other things. They have a lot of hats to wear. So you have to kind, you have to really position yourself as, Hey, this is what the community needs. Not necessarily what's best for me. Right. For example, COVID testing is not what's best for me right now. 
let's be honest, that is not what's best for me and my business. It's what's best for the community, which is actually what is best for us, all of us. So, you know, every time I talk to a legislator, even if it's not in my district or a friend of mine, you know, I, I, I try to position myself as, hey, we're, we're not the victims, right? We like, to, we like to say we're the victims of PBMs, and, and we are, don't get me wrong. But I mean, we know we are. It's just, it's harder to sell that point if they don't see us out there in the community busting our butts and trying to help in other avenues. You know, I'm, I got off the phone yesterday with my state representative last night, I kid you not. And I had asked him, I said, hey, you know, isn't there funding for these testing initiatives? And he said, absolutely, 100%. I said, why are we not entitled to those? You know, I asked him this a week ago. Last night, he calls me back and says, I just called the phone with the governor's office, and we're going to find a way to get you paid for this. So I'm going to hold him to that, of course. I've heard that <laughs> before. But, you know, and even if, I, and if we don't, at least that conversation's being had, right? And, and that's what it's all about is these legislators need to have conversations about what we're doing period. What we're doing, not what we're asking for. There's two different things. Because then we can ask for things and say, listen, if you want us to continue doing what we're doing, we have to be successful. And by the way, these other legislative initiatives have to happen for us to continue down this path. Um, we, have to, we cannot look disingenuous with our, with our requests when we talk to legislators. Um, they're, they're smart and they hear it from a lot of different angles. And um, it's, it's not about how much money they get, even though we think it is. And I, I thought it was about all the money until very recently. Um, it's literally about um, you know, who you know, you know in, your, in your city and your city council and be involved with your, your local as in your city as well. Um, and, and show them what you can do. And that's not just for pharmacists. That's what everyone does to be successful and to get legislation passed. So, I mean, I help them out. You know, the legislators, every legislator in my county is my customer almost, you know. So they come to me because they trust me because they see what I do and they know I give back more than I actually take. You cannot come out in a community and be the person that just takes and takes and takes. When you make money, you're taking, right? Everyone that makes is a business owner in a, little, in a community takes and makes money. You can't just continue to take without giving back. It just doesn't work in the pharmacy industry and it doesn't work with legislators. They see that. So yeah. again, that, that's, that's basically in a nutshell, uh, long-winded nutshell, I guess, how I like to approach legislators and, and how I like to entrench myself in the legislative process. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right on the money. And, uh, you know, I like what you, what you're saying is, is you don't ask them a legislature to to legislative person to give you something to help your business you, you you position it so that your business is is a vital part of that community and if you go out of business your community is going to suffer um so, so you, you know you want them to help with legislation to keep you in business because it gives you a healthier community and i think that resonates uh, a lot better with getting their attention because you know when they see you're doing all the things in the community that 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 makes it a better community a better state to live in and they recognize that you're under some hardship and that 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 may go away then they're a lot more likely i think to 
to try to help you out when it comes to legislation. So uh, I, I think, again, you know, what, what I'm learning from you tonight, Eric, is, is culture drives a lot of things. It, it, it drives, you know, what you do in your daily life and what you do in, in your own pharmacy, but it also drives how, how you want it to influence your, your CPSN network and influence your, your pharmacists, um, you know, your prof- profession in your state and, and country. So uh, that's neat. That's real neat. Yeah, one thing I failed to mention is, real quick, just because I thought about it earlier, I was looking at my website and our social media. Our 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 clicks and our visits are up twelve thousand percent, not twelve thousand wow. people, twelve thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally believe it. I totally believe it. Um, well, Eric. Uh, it's been fantastic talking with you today, and uh, and we're going to reserve the right to call you back and check back in and see how things are going and, and get you on another show. Um, you've you've really, uh, I think, keyed us into yeah. to a lot of good messages, a lot of good ideas. Um, you know, if you want to recap here before we end it, Ashley? Um, I mean, I, I really think that, that that whole idea around culture is what – what I'm taking home today and and you gave me some ideas of what I'm going to do tomorrow in terms of contacting my local my local health departments and my local um you know uh politicians absolutely you Eric thanks so much for showing us the pathway to to successful COVID testing, to being relevant in the community and and standing up when called to do so by um, our community leaders and state leaders um so I think we all have some activity now to uh, some action steps to take following this podcast. I hope our listeners um, are, are um, you know, excited and, and, and ready to, to reach out if they haven't already based on um, your leadership in this. And um, we wish you the best of luck as you continue down this road. We um, hope it becomes very successful for you. I, I know um, that it must be a lot of long hours and a lot of hard work. You don't just jump into 200 tests daily without um, um, some tired evenings and, and some tired weekends. So um, thanks again for, for your leadership. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, I don't, if the first responders can do it, why can't we, right? You know, they, they sacrifice a lot every day for what they're doing right now. So it's, it's the bare, it's the least we can do. And it's, like I said before, it's the hardest thing that my staff and I have ever done, but it's by far the most rewarding. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. And, and thank you listeners for, for tuning in again, and we will see you next week. The CPESN podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Production assistance is given by Mike Denninger and Suzanne Feeney. For more information, visit us online at cpesn.com and tptransformations.com.